welcome to Board Game Famous, the board game podcast that chronicles two brothers as they journey to board game fame. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Michael. Howdy, howdy. And we're joined, unusually, by friend of the show and artist for the show, Jillian Shuttle. Hi-ho! Oh, <laughs> you figured you had to have your own intro? If you use it once, you have to stick with it the entire time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you guys just have your intro down pat, and so I panicked. I was like, what should I say? That was me in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to talk all about art this episode, so I wanted to invite Jillian along because she's an artist. She's very talented. She's incredible. I've purchased several of her pieces of art. One art, please. <laughs> <laughs> Coming right up. Ding, ding. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a very good patron of the arts, but uh, we, we always loved the stuff that you put out. I think Ellen just purchased some washi tape. She did. Yeah. yeah. I just sent it off in the mail to her today. Oh, awesome. And uh, the most important piece of art that she created is our logo. Yeah. Right. It's sweeping the nation. <laughs> and I've heard maybe at least two pairs of underwear has logo on it. <laughs> I believe Not- specifically the first draft of the logo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For for those of you who don't know, uh, the first draft of the of our logo had a meeple that was thick. It was fine. <laughs> so when oh. I complained to Jillian, she sent back another version that was board game fame ass with a pair of buns on the meeple. <laughs> It has the cutest little buns. It does. It really does. You brought that meeple to life. <laughs> we might have to post that on our socials. Okay, yes. So we start as as always with, hey, Michael, what you been playing? Well, this is the art episode, and trust me, this will relate. But the game I want to talk about this fortnight is Scythe, designed by Jamie Stegmeier, released by Stonemeyer Games, with the artist of Jakob Rosalski. You might be wondering how this relates to art. If you read the rule book, one of the things that can happen is when your character pawn, as you explore this map that is Europe, turn of the 1800s, 1900s, light, you know, motif, if your character gets to these certain points on the map, you will get an encounter and you will draw an encounter card. Well, according to the rules of Scythe, you are supposed to show this card to everyone at the table, and you are supposed to ooh and ah at the art. Does it even say ooh and ah in the rule book? Let me let me pull it up just to make sure. But that's <laughs> what we always do <laughs> whenever we play Scythe. This game came out in 2016. I've been playing it since about then. It is a game that is is deceptively a territory control game, but it's more about efficient action economy on your own personal player board as you vie for control on this area control board. It's got some nice hex movements, some intricate rules. I love some interconnected mechanisms. It's a really good time. It does not say ooh and ah. It does say to show the art to <laughs> to the other players and to read all the uh, options. But we ooh and ah at the art because we respect the artist. <laughs> Have you ever noticed all the Easter eggs on the scythe board itself? Not all the Easter eggs, but a lot of them. That's that's something I really appreciate from Stonemeyer Games. They they give their 
their artist directions to put Easter eggs in there. So I know on the sideboard you can find Santa Claus. You can find, uh, I think you can find Bilbo fighting Shelob. That yes. might be in a different. That might be in a different game. I think there's something Lord of the Rings related in there. So this game is six years old, and I remember looking that up years ago. I said in episode one that this is my favorite game. Played it again. I enjoy playing it. Now it seems like the people who are currently playing Scythe have played it before, so I haven't had to teach this game in a long time. And That's it's the dream. Been re- That's the dream. It's, it's the dream. It's the dream. It's really fun. I played a faction I'm not super good with, and I lost handily, but I had fun. <laughs> I think I just ran around and did as many encounters as I could, <laughs> which, was, which was a lot of fun. Just because you wanted to soak up more of that board game art? All about that board game art. Yeah, Scythe is one of those... It's not super complicated, but it is It is a lengthy teach. And I, I've been saying before that there's no reason to play an ugly game nowadays. And Scythe is anything but ugly. I mean, you can buy just the Scythe art book. Because there's so much, there's so much of it in the game. It's mostly on those encounter cards, like you were saying, but... Still, you can buy full, full covered art pages. It's cool. Was that, is that something you would ever be interested in, Jillian? But just buying the art of a game. Sure. Yeah, it would probably make a cool calendar as well, mm-hmm. or postcards or something. Oh, that's an untapped board game market. Postcards from the stationery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's already a bunch of nerds playing these games. Surely, there's got to be a large <laughs> enough crossover between stationery, stationery nerds and board games. Yes. So it's not necessarily. Uh, Bilbo fighting Shelob, but it is a hobbit home. Ah, it's a hobbit home. So, David and or Jillian, what have you guys been playing? So, I wanted to talk about a a game. Would you call it a game, Jillian? It was a test. (laughs) A test of wills. (laughs) (laughs) We had the chance to play Ravensburger's Exit exit escape room series they did a crossover with their puzzles so it's an escape room puzzle a literal puzzle piece puzzle and i know jillian loves puzzles i do a lot and our group plays board games i thought it might be a slam dunk uh so i rented it from the library brought it over to the shuttle's house we spent the evening setting up the puzzle there was there were swears involved oh yeah (laughs) And once you're done assembling the puzzle, you're supposed to solve the escape room on it. And this is done by looking at the image that you have created, finding the oddities in the painting, and they're supposed to point you to specific numbers. Then, some pieces around the edge of the puzzle have numbers printed on them. So if you find one of those hidden tricky puzzles within the actual puzzle find that number find the corresponding puzzle piece you pick it out from the puzzle and i am saying puzzle so many times it's all losing its meaning but you semantic satiation yeah <laughs> but you find all of these these puzzle pieces from around the board from looking at the picture and solving the the mystery there and you have all these loose puzzle pieces now that you fit together into a secondary puzzle that f- that you lay on top and it creates a new image which is the solution to the the escape room 
So the one we did had a closed safe in the middle of it. And once you found all the puzzle pieces that you miss it, were missing, you could piece them together, put it on top of the middle, and it looked like an open safe. Um, let me rephrase that. It arguably looked like an open safe. <laughs> My first question is, how many pieces was the original puzzle? Are we talking like a 1,000-piece puzzle, a 100-piece puzzle? It was actually an odd number. It was like 679 or something. Do you remember that, David? I think I do. But I also have a video that you should watch that most puzzles don't accurately tell you how many pieces are in them. Yeah, I've heard of that before. But I, they still are like, I, I don't know. They should have just said 700 piece puzzle. Yeah, but yeah, it, they should it have. clearly said like a very strange number, which is why I remember <laughs> that part of it. This yeah. was a legitimate puzzle that we had to do. And like large swaths of the puzzle was just like the wall. So it was a solid color. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so one, the puzzle itself wasn't wasn't great. Like the picture wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't enjoyable like a jigsaw puzzle should be. And unfortunately, it was the high point. <laughs> <laughs> it did go down from there because <laughs> escape rooms offer like some sort of story, some sort of guidance. There was nothing here. Like it was just like. Okay, now solve the puzzles that are in the picture. And we just looked at each other. What are they talking about? What what puzzles are we supposed to be solving? Fortunately, you can go online and get clues. And the clues are like, oh, here's this puzzle. This is what you need to do. I don't, do you think, I don't think we solved any one of them on our own. I don't think we did. And I it kind of made me wonder, and I think we talked about this that night, if we were missing some sort of instruction page in oh. the puzzle box because we got it from the library, it's possible it went missing because there's just no way we could have arrived at any answers on our own. Yeah, it was impossible. I was going to say this kind of reminds me of Micro Macro where you have a scene. I'm not saying that it's as good as Micro Macro, but you have a scene. Uh, and you're supposed to interpret something from it. But at least that gives you direction in micro-macro. You're basically saying, hey, here's what's happened. Look for this. And then you follow the story through. Yeah. Whereas in this one, you just had a picture. And micro-macro without that instructions is just a silly where's Waldo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, micro-macro was so much more fun because you had a starting point. Or an ending point. Whatever you read on the card. But with the puzzle, it was just like, You did luck. a puzzle. <laughs> you, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think the biggest problem I had with this puzzle or, or the, the escape room experience was some of the, the puzzles that we're supposed to solve to get to the puzzle pieces relied heavily on the picture that we have created. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a puzzle before, Michael, but they have, they're, they're connecting pieces. So there are lines all throughout the, the image. It's very distracting. It's very hard to see some of like the very specific things we were supposed to notice because it was on the edge of a piece. It just, it didn't, it didn't work well. And I think we kept joking about returning it to the library with a piece missing, so we didn't, ha so we couldn't inflict it on anybody else. 
and we we accidentally did ellen found a puzzle piece in her purse like two weeks later it's like oh no the library's coming after you another issue with this uh, with the with the game itself is it's designed so that you can take pieces out and fit them together which means multiple pieces fit together. And when large swaths are the same color, you put a piece down, you are unsure if that's where that goes. Yes, that is one of my biggest pet peeves with jigsaw puzzles. I totally forgot about that component. Usually Ravensburger jigsaw puzzles, not board games or you know board game jigsaw puzzles, are really high quality, great jigsaw puzzles with no like repeating shapes, you know, like you couldn't mistake two puzzle pieces to fit together. This one, on the other hand, it was just chaos. I mean, it was designed. It was designed to fit multiple pieces together. So it was just, oh, it was terrible. And then the, the final complaint I have about it is the pieces that you find fit together to create uh, a new image. So when you tear that apart and then you put them in the spots that they're supposed to belong in, they kind of have something off about them. There's something weird about the art in that one location. So you can kind of go, I bet that piece is part of the final solution. Because <laughs> that doesn't quite look like it looks like it belongs. It was, it was an interesting experiment, but not one that I think was successful. I say knowing that they've got like 12 of these released. So who mm-hmm. am I to judge? <laughs> Are they rated on Board Game Geek? Oh yeah. The one we played was like your uncle's basement themed, so I don't know. The ones that I'm seeing are like way more way more exciting. We've got Nightfall Manor, the Sacred yeah, those, Temple. Those are the regular escape room ones. Yeah, that's a problem. So that's a, I guess that's another problem with these games. If if you wanted to buy one after all Jillian and I have said bashing this game, if you were still interested to find it, they're really hard to find because it's like an offshoot of a very popular, successful board game se- escape room series. So my advice is just just buy one of the regular escape room games and not do the puzzle. S- skip it. It's not worth it. And our next section is Game of the Fortnight. The part of the podcast where we hold one game above all others, at least for the next two weeks. And this Fortnite, the game of the Fortnite, uh, is Jillian's board game box art bonanza. Jillian kindly offered to uh, create a game for us that we can play live in our podcast. So Jillian, you want to explain how it goes? Absolutely. And we're just making this up as we go a little bit too. So I am going to describe the cover of a board game and... You guys are going to take turns guessing what board game you think I'm trying to describe. So we're going to start off pretty easy, and then I'll increase the difficulty with each board game. Yeah. So have fun playing at home, listeners. (laughs) See if you can best Michael and I. All right, Jillian, who do you want to give the first game to? David, how about you take this first game? Sounds good. All right. Game I'm looking at is a hazy greenish yellow uh, background and in the foreground woodland creatures are gazing into a city what board game am i describing are you describing everdell i am describing everdell (laughs) excellent yeah 
<laughs> that's my favorite game. <laughs> I know. That's why I described it to you. Michael, <laughs> your favorite game is Scythe? Yes. I won't be describing that to you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just checking how well I knew this podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, Michael, your board game that I'm about to describe, a rust-colored triptych. And this, the middle triptych, in the background, there's um, the rocky orange landscape with a comet coming straight down towards a crater. And in the foreground, there are two astronauts exploring some plant life. What's a triptych? <laughs> it's like um, three art panels. Oh, okay. Yeah, non-artist here. What's a triptych? <laughs> oh, I, did, I didn't know what a triptych was either. <laughs> Glad somebody asked. So it's rusty color with mm -hmm. a meteor. Yes. A crater. And then some astronauts looking at some plant life. Yes. My only guess, and I don't believe this is it, but my only guess is terraforming Mars. It is terraforming Mars. Nice. Yay! Can you Can you send the link? I want to see. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I guess I'm not that familiar with it. Oh, is it the three panels? Or is, is it horizontal panels? Yeah. Uh, okay. I was thinking vertical. Okay. I, I figured that part out. <laughs> okay. All right. It's 1-1. One, one, all tied up. You guys have done great so far. All right. So for this next round, I'm going to add a little bit more flavor to the description. David, the board game I'm describing for you. It's a blood red sunset in the background and in the middle ground and foreground, we are in a town and our point of view is we're looking straight at three figures coming right towards you. The first is a rather busty woman in a red cloak and the two looming behind her have horned helmets on. It's got to be... Board game am I describing? That's got to be Gloomhaven, right? It's Gloomhaven! <laughs> Yay! Uh, all right, who's this rather busty woman you're talking? About? Oh, that's got to be that's got to be Jexera. Whoa, Jexera, the Valrath that's woman. I'm just dropping the images in the chat now, so you can check my work. I'm just pulling it up on my phone after the fact. You have a, you haven't played played Gloomhaven yet. Those aren't horned helmets. Those are just horns. You don't have helmets on? Nope. Well, they got face it just, masks. It does. It's It blends into their hair, and I thought those were helmets. But yeah, that's, yeah, there's hair and horns. No helmets. My apologies. Oh, no worries. That was, that's a really fun game. I should bring that over to play at some point. I say I'm living three hours away. <laughs> I'm not sure our copy's in the box anymore, so. All right, I'm ready. All right, Michael. Here is your second board game that I'm going to describe. Your board game has a cloudy blue-green sky, and we're looking into like um, a cove of mountains on the ocean, and there's a boat in the middle with steam coming out of the stack, and if you peer below the boat, you see an enormous monster reaching up with its claws towards it. What board game am I describing? Oh my goodness. Is this uh I think it's a game I have not played. But your friend owns it. Oh 
Uh, is this... Do you need a little more flavor text? No. <laughs> no, I, I th- it would be unfair. Is this... Uh, is this Subnautica? It, it is not. It's Sleeping Gods. Well, I didn't get a chance to steal! Ah! <laughs> oh, we did! I'm That's sorry, okay. I That's okay. That's okay. It, it, it's all right. It's all right. You got this round, and I and I didn't. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was also thinking near and far. So. Well, oh yeah, those are similar colors. All games I've not played. All right, I've pulled ahead. All right, David, are you ready for your third and final board game? I am. Okay, the board game I'm going to describe for you. You're peering into a city and. There's a far-off castle in the distance, and in the middle ground is a beautiful bridge. And in the, for- in the foreground, there are workers making sure that the bridge is assembled properly, and there's barrels and eggs, and the people on the river are also working, and then there's a flock of doves in the upper left-hand corner um, billowing out over the bridge in the city. What board game am I describing? So I had originally thought Castles of Burgundy, but then you said eggs, and that is very specific to <laughs> Caput Rainy, is what I think is what it's called. Praga, yeah. Oh, it's, it's Praga Caput Rainy, yeah. yeah. It's, okay, okay. I didn't know there was, a, is it like a cart full of eggs on the cover of that one? I think it's in her hands. Let me okay. zoom in. Oh my gosh, this is really zoomy, so I can see better. Aha, they're in a basket. I'm, she better not be carrying all of her eggs in that basket. <laughs> Have That's you the... played this You think game? a woman's working on a bridge? <laughs> <laughs> have I played this game? Yes, I have, Michael. Okay. I played it with Jillian because I know they love Czech Republic and Prague. Is that the capital of Czech Republic? It is. Yes. yes. Um, so in this game, you're assembling the Charles Bridge. You're building the King's Wall. You're doing all the, all the tasks, and you can't do them all. So I chose to assemble the bridge. Do you remember what your method was, David? Uh, I know my method didn't beat yours. I think you wanted to put this one in here so you could uh, <laughs> show that you won a very serious Euro game. <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say anything about it. I was more reflecting on the experience of it because I, before playing that game, I think I would have said I don't enjoy Euro-style games. Mm-hmm. And but, that but, was... she is, but she is happy that you brought up the fact that you uh, she won. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to tell you to shut up. I'm still excited that I won that. And that was just pure luck. I don't think so. And if I recall correctly, like it wasn't close. I think you did really well. But I feel like anyone could do well if they pick one route. Like mm. you guys were doing a lot. And it was the first time we were playing. So we didn't know, like, Mm -hmm. is it a combination of several things that are going to get you the most points? For me, I was just like, I want eggs. I want (laughs) to build this bridge. And it it turned out that that was a good way to go. Mm. All All right. right. What's Michael's final game? All right, Michael, are you ready for your third board game? I am ready. Even though I can't win, I am ready. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. Um... The board game I'm going to describe for you is done in a very painterly style in a whimsical landscape. 
There's another sunset in this one, but instead of blood red, it's very warm vanilla orange sky. And when you gaze out at the sunset, there is a hot air balloon, but the balloon is a big, fluffy cumulonimbus cloud. And in the foreground, a girl is setting up an easel. What board game am I describing? I know you guys have discussed this one on the podcast. Is this the game that has David's favorite tiebreaker in it? It is. Okay. All I have to do is remember the name of that game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Canvas. That's right. You got it. Good job. Yeah, as soon as you said... points awarded, so now you're tied. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to do... We could do the last one that Jillian has pulled up and we'll do uh, head-to-head. Yeah, so whoever answers first. Yep. This one should hopefully be quick. A speckled blue-white background with a marvelous avian creature. Wingspan. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) So quick on the draw. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And now we're tied at 3-3, and now I wish I hadn't graciously given Michael that (laughs) that point. Well, Jillian, thank you for putting this game on for us to play. It was was fun. You are welcome. I I would love to come on again a bit more prepared instead of ad-libbing the descriptions. I'd really love to paint a picture for you. Okay. Paint us a beautiful word picture. Yeah. After that rousing game, our next section is Brother and Friend Talk. And this fortnight, we're just going to talk about art. Art, art, art. So, a few years ago, a little over a decade ago, board game designers... No, that was a few decades ago. God, I'm getting old. Around the 2000s, board game designers uh, got together and said, we're not going to design board games anymore unless our names are printed on the cover. And board game designers have had their names printed on the cover, but recently, a a surgeon's in... in putting board game artists' names on the cover has come about. So in the last five, ten years, it's become more more acceptable, more prominently known to see board game designer and board game artists because it's the artists themselves that bring board games alive. And and this trend has really gotten gotten board game artists the recognition that they deserve to the point where you can see a game and know who the artist is because of their distinct art style. And that's something that I really like. Um, some of my favorite board game artists are Vincent Dutrait, Kyle Farron, and Beth Sobel. Beth Sobel does a lot of beautiful work. I think she did the Wingspan cover that, that I just yeah. lost out on. <laughs> I just study up on her art. Uh, so, Jillian, what, are there games that you look at just because of how they look? Yeah, I'm definitely a judge a board game, Georgia book, Georgia book, (laughs) (laughs) judge a book by its cover type person. Uh, If it has good cover art, then it I'll probably get it. Um, So my my favorite game when it comes to just how pretty it is, is Mysterium. And I love that enormous deck of cards with all its nonsensical illustrations. They're beautiful as well as the illustration of the house itself. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just so lovely. In fact, 
uh, when I play this game with a certain group of friends, we have a, like a favorite card in the deck. Um, and I'm, I'm going to show you it. Did you get it out beforehand? I have a picture of it on my oh. phone. But we call him Jason Spider. And <laughs> whenever... <laughs> Whenever he comes up in the deck, we all go, Jason Spider. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like, yeah, I just appreciate Mysterium a lot for its, its beautiful artwork. So when it comes to aesthetics of a board game, my favorite is Illimat. I just like the environment that it creates just by it being kind of spooky, Illuminati, tarot card. Like it just puts you in a certain mood to play it. So if there's like a crisp fall day, I want to play Illimat. That really brings up a great point that art sets the mood for the game. It, it sets the tone of the game that you're about to be playing. And I, I think that's a very important point. What about you, Michael? What, what are your thoughts on board game artists? Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree that there's pretty much no excuse for not having a good looking game. And what that means is, you know, still subjective. There can still be a wide variety of styles that I I appreciate. You know, I, I appreciate Beth Sobel and her very calm and more realistic looking illustrations because, you know, she did the cover for Calico, I believe, and uh, the new Spiel de Yards winner, Cascadia. I believe she did that artwork as well. She does a lot of nature-themed games, yeah. Yeah, nature. and It's got a nice calming feeling, uh, but I also love the uh, mischievous comical and adventurous style of was it kyle farron yes who does all the leader games correct yeah so root oath does uh, he do fort, fort? okay yeah, yeah fort fort and so you know having these artists that have very distinguished styles but still have styles that fit with the mechanics and the theme they really help elevate the theme more than what i think previous games did i think art really helps set the tone so. wow what a great point michael <laughs> <laughs> and i am trying to look up the name of the artist for parks so a game like parks is hard to look up the artist for because it's not a singular person and i think the same i think the same thing is for mysterium i'm not sure they, There's they one hire. artist who did The Mansion and I think The Suspects. So there was, Igor did all like the dream cards, I believe. And then one artist, uh, sorry, I don't have his name pulled up. He did The Mansion illustration and then all like The Suspects and The Weapons and The Environments. Mm -hmm. Another important another important job of the artist is, and, and this is also working with like a graphic designer as well, is creating symbolism that fits with the the artistic tone of the game, but still conveys the rules of the game. It's merging that kind of iconography with the the art the art setting, so that players understand how to play quickly and easily mm -hmm. through throughout the game. And, and an example of a game that does this poorly is Race for the Galaxy. That is like reading hieroglyphics. But when a game does it well, you can just glance at a card and know exactly what it does. And that's yeah, and there's, there's an, those are uh, you know different skill sets. I think I mean, 
some artists may be good at both of them, and some games may need to employ, for example, terraforming Mars. I believe it has great iconography. But Are you going to say it has so, great art? <laughs> but not so great and not so consistent art on the cards. <laughs> For your information, Jillian, Terraforming Mars uses, like, royalty-free stock art. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. It's such a successful game. Like It is. You it's... think they would have hired an illustrator. Well, I mean, they didn't. they didn't hire one... Because they didn't know it was going to be successful, I guess. It's fair. Yeah. That, that's my and it assumption. Might have, it might have still been at that point where it was that weird trans- transition between having a good artist in games was a bonus. And now I feel like if a game doesn't look good, I'm not going to buy it. That's, yeah. that's fair. That's a good point. One of the most famous artists that I know in board gaming, I guess, uh, the person who did the artwork for the board game Inish which is a very successful game, is Jim Fitzpatrick, who did the Che Guevara famous image. Oh. So he, he's dabbled in board game art. I wonder if any other famous artists have done board game art. I reached out to Vincent Dutrait to try and get a, uh, a portrait done for Ellen one time because he's our favorite board game artist and he's too busy. He's not too busy to reply. Oh, that's nice, though. He yeah. could have totally ghosted you. <laughs> he definitely could have. <laughs> But he's like, no thanks, I'm making that big board game box and I'm too busy for you. <laughs> that is, that's not how he came off in case Vincent Dutrade is a listener. <laughs> hey, it's possible. Love you, Vinny. <laughs> it's possible. We've had a couple lessons in France. <laughs> Who's your favorite board game artist? I'm not as well versed on the artists and creators' names as oh. you guys are. Well, what game do you like the look of the most? So I mentioned Mysterium. Meadow is really nice. Yeah. I really like Meadow. I, I can't tell you the name of the artist off the top of my head, but I know like they do just art that you can buy that's similar style to what Meadow is. I meant to look up some prints from them. I already mentioned it, but Kyle Farron. He might be my favorite board game artist. Just I just like that adventurous comic book style. I've been reading comics for a long time. Love his art. I really like... what What is this series called? Where various... Board game artists are making posters. Oh for... yeah, Jillian, we were we were talking about this before recording. There's the mm-hmm. it's just called the BGG board game artist series, where board game artists design posters for board games that they did not do the art for. So it's kind oh, of that's like really fun. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like an appreciation. It's an artist appreciating each other like throughout throughout the hobby, and it's. They're doing their seventh series, which means they're going to be up to, I think, 28 different posters. The, there is one for Mysterium, and it looks kind of spooky. There's a skeleton hand coming out, out of the ground towards the mansion. Yeah, they could definitely make postcards or a stationary set or something. I would oh, buy yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And so Kyle Farron did a poster for Dominion. And while I don't think Kyle Farron's art would work for the game Dominion, <laughs> I do love the poster. <laughs> Well, Dominion's actually one of those games that has a multitude of artists throughout, like, every action card. To the point where people complain that the art doesn't, like, it's not cohesive. It doesn't bother me at all, because it's not really a thematic game. I don't think the art needs to set the tone for Dominion. It's, it's, a, it's a deck builder. You know what you're getting into. And I, I know Ryan Lockett does a lot of the treasure art for Dominion, who's another, another favorite artist of mine. I just like board game art. 
while I can name more designers than artists, that's starting to change. It's a good change. It is a good change. And the last section without musical accompaniment is mail time. And the question of this fortnight is, what's your favorite silly strategy in a board game? You know, a suboptimal strategy that doesn't necessarily help you win, but it's just too fun to not play sometimes. So I'll answer this first, because we were just talking about Dominion. It's my most played game. I love it so much. But my strategy in Dominion is not not always the winning strategy. I like to walk a tightrope in that game. I like to have my deck thinned out so I, I get rid of all the crappy cards in Dominion that I possibly can. And I just create a fine-tuned engine with exactly the right amount of action cards. The cards that run your engine and give you the, the good stuff of the game. I get only as many of those as I need. So if somebody if somebody starts messing with my finely tuned engine and adding junk cards into my deck, it falls apart real quick. <laughs> I, wa- I love to walk that razor's edge when I play Dominion, just to see how, how what I can get away with. You know, I was also going to mention Dominion, but a more situational strategy. If you were to ever play with this card... The set of cards doesn't come out very often because it's very it's considered a very weak card and that is pirate ship that if you are playing with pirate ship i like to play with the strategy to get as many pirate ships out on a single turn as possible by comboing cards what's your what's your record i have only met five once so. okay because i was gonna say i've gotten to play five once as well too <laughs> Pirate Ship is just a silly card that's not very optimal for the action economy in the game where you get to attack other players and (laughs) force them to flip over cards and get rid of treasures. And there's just something silly about just playing five pirate ships in one turn, having people flip over their deck. Well, I'm going to mention some Ameritrash. Point Salad. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we play Point Salad, I don't know what it is about it. Like, because it's just bold illustrations and straight up color, my eyes want carrots and lettuce. And so if (laughs) carrots and lettuce are out there, I'm getting the carrots and lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I do want to mention uh, Canvas again because it's, like Michael said, it's got my favorite tiebreaker in it. Uh, this is a game all about layering art cards uh, that have scoring conditions at the bottom with uh, they have symbols at the bottom that you're trying to match certain scoring conditions that are randomized through, for each game. The art doesn't mean anything until the very end where it, whoever has the best art is the tiebreaker in case of the tie. The expansion adds a variant where you play where there are two winners, one who scores the most points and the other person who has the best art. I haven't played it that way yet, but I do want to play the variant where I don't even try and go for points. I just try and make the best art. <laughs> I mean, I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, but in Scythe, the most recent game of Scythe, I just want to do as many ca- encounters as possible. <laughs> <laughs> These encounters are spread across this map and movement is very hard in Scythe. So for me to be able to have done five encounters in a uh, in a four-person game was pretty impressive. <laughs> that also reminds me of, I think, Takedo, mm-hmm. when you can visit the hot springs. And if the hot springs don't have monkeys in them, 
don't, don't even bother. Like, why did I even go to the hot spring? <laughs> I want to see some monkeys. <laughs> that's like that's another thing that's just the art evokes certain things that you want in um, yeah. in the card game Jaipur. Uh, you're collecting you're collecting spice cards or goods cards or camel cards. So there's like only two types of things. One camel has a panda pelt on it. And Ellen and I always fight over that camel. <laughs> like I was like, oh man, I could grab I could grab some rubies, but that camel's out there. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one fire game that we uh the firefighting game that I talked about? Oh, Flashpoint. Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Flashpoint. We have the house rule of if you don't save save the dog and cat, did you even win? <laughs> <laughs> You don't you don't care about the people if you, if you don't save at least the dog and cat you don't win. <laughs> uh, I mean games are just meant to be fun. So yeah. Have fun with them. Don't take it too seriously. So Jillian, how was uh how was your first podcast? It was so much fun. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks Love for listening right. to you guys. So to be able to be in the conversation too is it's pretty neat. Now it's oh, actually now it's actually going to be like that meme you posted oh, no. long ago. Back <laughs> yeah, where I'm just laughing in front of a poster of you. <laughs> <laughing>. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to another podcast, Jillian, and to everybody who's actually listening in the future. Hello, but thank you for listening. If you have any comments or questions, or you want to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to us by email at boardgamefamous at gmail.com or you can join our Discord, join the chats that we have using the link below. Or you can follow us on Instagram using the link below. Jillian, do you want to plug your Instagram for uh, all your all your art art needs? Uh, you sure. Can... You can see my art on Instagram. My handle is PB and Jillian. And or look up Jillian K Art and I should probably show up there. And one day I would love to have my work on a board game as well. So oh. Maybe in the Venn diagram of our interests, art and board game will meet uh, in my portfolio, which would be awesome. It's an ambition. Okay. And her links will be below. Well, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Boom, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> <laughs>